Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. All right. Good morning, Central Coast. It's another beautiful Saturday. Just settling into the chairs here. We have a great two-hour live show for you here. It's Jason Van Dyke and Dan Podesto from Central Coast Lending. We'll be hosting today. Um, Jason Grody, the usual co-host. He's out. What is he doing this weekend? Monterey. Monterey. Oh, that's right. Monterey with the, the family, uh, doing the uh, the Monterey Aquarium, Aquarium and yeah. everything. That's a that's a cool spot. You been up there? Um, it's been a while. When I was a kid, I, I went there a few times. But now that I have kids, I w- we've been planning to try to take them up there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a just, special little area. That uh, aquarium is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. They have some pretty awesome displays there. Yeah. Some cool touch tanks the kids can get in there and get their hands wet. It's, fun. it's a good time. Definitely. It's a good time. I wish yeah. I'd t- known I could have got him tickets, possibly. He was looking into those season passes because they have a deal where you, you buy a season pass and you get two entries for free or I don't know. You get some guest passes or something. That place is There's worth There's some it, different yeah. deals. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's pretty amazing. Been a long time. I'm sure it's only gotten better since I was there last. I would imagine so. <laughs> they, uh, speaking of aquariums, you know, there's the aquarium in Morro Bay, um, close to home for me. It's mm-hmm. gotten a lot of negative publicity in the last couple of years, but I keep thinking how cool it would be if if Morro Bay could have like the mini Monterey Bay Aquarium. They talk about the they, yeah. They talk that? about expanding that and making it a little bit nicer, mm-hmm. right? I know there was a I don't know if it's just like a conceptual design or proposal that was done by I want to say Cal Poly mm-hmm. students um, for something. It looked pretty um, I don't know just futuristic. I don't know that it would really fit in with the quaint fishing village <laughs> vibe of Morro Bay, but the the idea of it was really cool. Mm-hmm. My boy loves the seals there. Oh yeah, they love the, they they rehab the seals and you get to go in there and throw some fish to them and it's uh, I don't know exactly if it's the right thing or not like you said <laughs> with all the negative publicity I know there's yeah. a, a lot of talk about if that's humane or not <clears throat> but uh, it's cool to be that close to wildlife like that and see your kid light up yeah I bet and they do a lot of talking they do a lot of talking when you're feeding them so it's fun it's a yeah. good time. and they seem happy. Well, like they're eating. They're throwing. You're throwing them fish. So <laughs> you throw a, few, a seal some fish. They're going to be happy. They're on their best right? behavior. Yeah. Then. Throw me some food. I'll be happy. They are. They clap and everything for you. It's a good time. All right. Well, we got Thanksgiving coming up next week. What are you guys doing? I'm sticking staying. around the area. Yeah, I'm staying local. We're going to do a little too. camping yeah. the first part of the week, which oh, should cool. be fun. Yeah. Right on. But uh, staying local, eating turkey. That's nice. going to be awesome. Yeah. I've got 22 people coming to my house. Wow. 22? 22 people. Wow. We've got five children under the age of six years old. Coming to your house. Yeah. See what you, see what happens when you have kids? I don't have that big of a house, man. <laughs> this is going to be chaos. <laughs> it's going to be fun, though. Yeah, it's going to be fun. This is my favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. Christmas is a close second. Thanksgiving takes it, though. Thanksgiving is getting overshadowed by Christmas, unfortunately. Really? I think so. Yeah, it's just like all the Black Friday stuff. Well, because you start hearing about Christmas deals yeah. before Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's all about the family. I Thanks think Christmas awesome. stresses people out a little bit. 
Yeah, there's I think like it, there seems to be that uh, there's shopping you have exactly. to do. There's expectations. I see a lot of people sort of getting away from the gift giving and focusing on other things, like you know, taking trips together and spending hmm. that money on on other things. We're at the point in in my family where a lot of the you know my cousins and things like that were all in this age where we're starting to get married and have families of our own. And so it's harder to get everyone together and trying to rethink our whole gift giving. Does everyone buy everyone a gift or do we just kind of like yeah, do the white elephant? Yeah. Or where, something like where that. Where you get yeah. one person in the yeah. group to get a gift for each year. I think that's cool. Actually. Yeah. yeah I mean, plus the older I get, the less stuff. you don't need stuff. Right? I don't need stuff. And the stuff I do want isn't something that someone's going to fork out the cash to buy. You know, the stuff I want now is pretty expensive. Dad needs an Brand new big screen TV. I mean, a new table saw that landed in my garage. I wouldn't yeah. be upset about that. So I should take, I should take, I should take back the shake weight I got for you. Because <laughs> I got you two, so you could do both at the same time. You know, that's good. I don't want to be lopsided. No, definitely not. That's good. That's real good. All right, that's the way to start a show. Hey, I told you this is going to be a great show. Um, if, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there, nice and early today, that we are open for calls. Um, if you want to chime in with a question or comment, as we get into the real content of the show, um, we'll get out of the comedy portion here in a minute. <laughs> um, you can give us a call at 543-8830, 543-8830. Uh, we have an 800 number if you're out of area, 800-549-KVEC. It's 800-549-5832. Um, we have a couple of guests coming on, joining us for the second hour. Who are our guests? We've got uh, Chuck Stanley and Sandy Madison from Century 21 Hometown Realty in Pismo. Great. Yeah, I met with them yesterday, so uh, excited to have them on the show and hear their perspective. Uh, Sandy's been in the area many, many years. I think she said since 1978, so it's always wow. it's always interesting to get the realtor perspective uh, on someone who's been here that long. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, we missed our realtor fix last week, so I'm glad we've got, we're making up for it. We got two. Yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> that's how you do it. That's right. That's how you do it. All right. So, um, so what do you want to talk about? You want to jump into the numbers or you yeah, want to talk about San Luis Obispo a little bit? Going to the Bacon Festival today. I'm pretty excited about where that. Where is there a Bacon Festival? That's at the Vets Hall. In Slow? Yep. Huh. Yeah. So that's going to be a good time. My kid's excited about that. You know what my boy loves on bacon? Syrup. More bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the right spot for him. So is this like just sampling different kinds of bacon? Or yeah, is there's the going to be stuff going there's gonna be restaurants there that oh. give their little take on bacon. So you got your bacon chowder and your bacon Have you been donuts. to this before? I haven't. I is this haven't. the first time it's been? I think it's the second annual. Don't quote me on that. Um, I know they had it last year, for, so for me it's the second annual, and I missed the first year. Did you have to buy a ticket to get in? Uh, you do, yes, yes. But I believe s tickets are still on sale, so for all of those bacon lovers out there. And it's an all-ages thing? It is, yep. yep. <laughs> How can you go wrong with That's a what festival I'm talking about, about bacon? That's what I'm talking about. You mean to move that? All right. I got to give a shout out to my buddy who's driving down too. I'm going to try and talk him into the bacon festival. Monty and his girlfriend, Diane, are driving down. How could he not them. want to do that? That's what I'm saying. I know his girlfriend likes bacon. She even told me. <laughs> she got excited about it. I'll leave it at that. We're not going shake weight style on this, all right? I'm just, I'm just trying to say she likes bacon, Dan. My Man. favorite fair food, chocolate covered bacon. Have you ever tried that? Cho you know, I have. <sighs> I've had, because they, they make candy bars that have the bacon bits in them already. That's good stuff. It was hyped up. I, I didn't think it was as good as... What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Why mess with a good piece of chocolate, man? So you're going to jump into some numbers here, aren't you? I was, yeah. Yeah. You want some serious numbers or some fun no, numbers first? No, I was going to actually just share some things that I thought were interesting. Okay. Um, something that, you know, part of our company being a direct lender is we have reporting requirements to the... Um, one of our regulators, the yeah, right. NMLS, mm -hmm. National Mortgage Licensing System Service, whatever it is, um, on a quarterly basis, we have, to pro we have to provide them production reports. And so it gives me an opportunity to see what the breakdown of our, our business looks like, of our funded business. And I found it interesting, um, you know, to see those purchase versus refinance numbers and the conventional lending versus the government lending. And what I found for quarter three for our company, this is just our company, but I think we have a, we have a pretty good market share within our county. So it's, I, I think we're representative of what's going on in San Luis Obispo County. Um, the purchase to refi ratio is 65-35 right now. So about a third of transactions today in the mortgage world are for purchases and the other still third are for refinances. Still a lot of refis going on. Still a lot of refis, not the, the 20 purchase 80 refi that we saw a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, so it's definitely swung completely the, the opposite way, but there's still a good amount of refinancing going. Um, and the other thing is that conventional lending made up 75% of our business, whereas government lending, which includes USDA, FHA, and VA, loans, those made up about 25%, roughly 8 eight to 9% each for each of those categories. So even across the government spectrum. And how does that compare to uh, previous months for us? Um, I think that's actually a little higher on the government lending side. Okay. Um, our government, that doesn't tend to be as consistent, but it seems to be a little bit higher. I want to say that we've had months where we're as much as 90% conventional mm -hmm. and only 10% government lending. Conventional lending is probably the most common source of funding for us you know we don't see i think some of the lesser expensive areas will see more fha lending because the fha mortgage insurance isn't as impactful on the loan mm -hmm. um you know when you're dealing with a hundred thousand dollar loan versus our average loans are three hundred thousand dollars um so th you know that two or one one and three quarters upfront fee and one and a, a third monthly fee. It ends up being pretty expensive on loans around here. So we always try to move people into conventional financing whenever possible. <clears throat> um, yeah, one thing that I've seen sort of speaking to that is typically in the past, we've seen people get into the government loans because they offer uh, low down or lower down payment um, options. And what I've seen recently is people exploring those options, not because of the low down payment, but because the underwriting guidelines are a little bit looser. So anytime we've got a bankruptcy or a foreclosure or a short sale or some type of negative impactful um, you know, situation on someone's credit, those uh, FHA and USDA programs become a little bit more popular because the waiting periods are a little bit shorter. So people are able to, to buy with the lower rates that they've got right now. It may not be the optimal loan, um, but usually we, we sit down with our clients and put a, a plan together where, yes, this is your government financing now. It might be a little bit more expensive than your conventional, but it gets you in the door. And at some point, we're going to be able to refinance out of this, get rid of that mortgage insurance if it's on there um, and any of those other uh, you know not so positive things yeah. that go with your uh, 
with your mortgage when you get into those types of uh, scenarios? FHA came on for the purpose of serving the underserved right. when it comes to mortgage financing. Um, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac came about to serve the masses, but there was an underserved population, and it was people with credit issues or with down payment issues, you know, inability to provide larger down payments, um, and just some other just nuances to their situation that didn't allow them to qualify for the, the conventional financing offered by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So FHA came about to offer mortgages to that underserved uh, demographic of people. And so it still truly is that today, but, you know, and then let me just say, just, just, just speaking to that yeah. again, is that uh, FHA requires a minimum of three and a half percent down where conventional, you're going to be looking at putting 20% down or more. Um, Typically, you know, on a loan with no mortgage insurance. So that, that's what we're talking about as far as low down payments, 3.5% for FHA. And then USDA actually requires no down payment, which is which is a great program. Right, so I didn't no mean down. to cut you off. VA is no down. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, FHA does have a small down payment. What's interesting, though, is Fannie Mae continues to make changes, or I, I should say Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, continue to make little tweaks here and there to their guidelines that... I feel makes FHA more and more obsolete, more and more of really it's just a credit issue yep. program, a, a program for lower credit scores, recent major credit problems. Um, conventional, actually, the FHFA, Federal Housing Finance Authority, is currently discussing a plan to bring back the 3% down conventional mortgage. That'd be great. So if you have a 3% down conventional option versus a 3.5% down FHA option, I've got to imagine the mortgage insurance, excuse me, mortgage insurance is a little more competitive with a conventional loan. Yep. Um, it's also with conventional financing, you can get rid of mortgage insurance, whereas FHA now it's life of loan. It's going to further make FHA a, a very limited tool in our tool bag, um, probably mostly just, just for low credit scores, like I said. Mm -hmm. um, one of the cool things that FHA can do right now is that one year, or it's the back-to-work program, one year out of bankruptcy, foreclosure, short sale, if you can demonstrate some extenuating circumstances. So, not, not the cheapest financing, but uh, for a lot of people, it makes it makes sense. And it's it makes not, sense for it, certain situations. It's not going to be something that you stay in for uh, an extended <clears throat> period of time, but like we said, getting your foot in the door uh, can often be the right right move and right decision. So that's yeah. uh, that, that's good to know that that's there. So I always find that stuff interesting, just to see how our business is breaking down from month to month. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was something. You know, I'll, I'll continue to share these as the quarter quarters go on because um, I I do find it interesting and I do find that what we're what we're seeing in our company is representative of of our county. Maybe not necessarily when you get further out, you know, in, into the rest of the world here, since. California and coastal California is so much different when it comes to real estate. Um, location, location, location. That's right. Gosh, I just had something great segue and I lost it. Well, that happens. Um, just do a really bad segue. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, just going to jump to something else. How about that? You know what we should do? We should take a break, um, collect our thoughts, and we'll, we'll come back with uh, better than ever. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to keep moving forward, right? Okay, we're going to take some time out here to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head I Hey folks, thanks for tuning in this fine Saturday morning. You're listening to Mortgage Matters here on KVC. Just getting started here with another two-hour live episode. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can do so by calling 543-8830. This week was a nice change of pace from two slow previous weeks where there really wasn't a lot of action. There was Veterans Day holiday, there was... uh, just a slow economic week in general the week before. This week we saw more numbers that were coming out, and with more numbers you would think more action. No. It was a snoozer for rates. Yeah, The volatility that we'd seen for the previous month or so in rates um, has vanished this past week. Which is a good thing, I think. It's good. It, it for for those of us in the business, right. on the, the side of processing loans and things like that, it's it's nice to not have to worry about what rates are doing. You can just kind of move your mm-hmm. your pipeline forward of of loans, move them through the system without all your pre qualification yeah. pre qualification letters. You're not getting phone calls saying where am I at now that rates are higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's nice when things are a little bit stable. Yeah. So, so rates are holding steady, still at just unbelievable levels. I, 
unfortunately it's recorded um jason and i made some predictions at the beginning of the year that we thought by the end of this year rates were going to be in the mid fives and we just couldn't be further from that rates have actually gone down from the beginning of the year um which is just shocking now that the the federal government has pulled out of quantitative easing you would expect rates to move higher still no it's because the 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 global economy just isn't yeah. picking up. Japan is now officially in a recession. Yeah, they uh, reported the third quarter GDP decline of 1.6 uh, Monday, and that comes after the second quarter, which was a huge drop for them, 7.3. So, um, yeah, not so good. Not so good for Japan. And, and Japan's the third largest economy in the world, Yeah, and they're just entering a, a new recession. I mean, yeah. we're, we're here, what, seven years after the... The great meltdown of yeah. of world economies and and now they're hitting a recession when we're supposed to be recovering. That's yeah. You, you mentioned the quantitative easing for us sort of ending, and it's interesting how we see some of these other economies sort of following that template. There was a you know obviously a a lot of uh, opinions on uh, you know what quantitative easing was going to do for our economy. If it was the right thing, if it was the wrong thing, if it was just kicking the can down the street. Um, you know, for us to have to deal with later. But it's interesting to see some of these other larger economies also sort of following that template and also, you know, giving some uh, massive monetary stimulus um, by the government. What do you guys think? Could our economy actually take a hit or benefit from Japan uh, going down? I don't think it's good. The amount of imports from Japan. I, I don't see how it's positive. I, I really don't. Um, you know, having having one of the top three economies taking a big step backward mm -hmm. is, isn't good for any of the other large economies. We're all dependent on each other, buying our goods and, mm -hmm. and, and products and importing and exporting. I just don't see it being a good situation. I think it, it, similar to what you had said, that uh, this, the bond market and interest rates weren't really super volatile this week. And I think there was some headwind there. I mean, we had a lot of good economic uh, reports and indicators come out for our economy, um, which typically would mean interest rates would go up. Um, but again, because the global economy has a, a lot of uncertainty right now, I think that that headwind is sort of keeping interest rates um, somewhat stable. I mean, anytime we have uncertainty in our economy or, or the global economy, that uncertainty um, supports the bond market and that that's really what holds rates down. So that's, that's one thing that we're seeing um, from the global economy that's, that's helping, you know, maybe not so much our, our overall economy, but it's helping the, the, the interest rates stay low, which is obviously good for affordability and home buying. So some of that, <clears throat> excuse me, you referenced some of the, the positive data that had come out this week. Some of the things that are that really impact mortgage rates um, are obviously the, the housing numbers. We saw there, there are a number of home price indices. There's, I don't know, three or four of them. There was some data coming out from CoreLogic. CoreLogic is a large data compiler and provider. We actually use CoreLogic for credit reporting and flood um, flood certifications on homes. CoreLogic has come out and said that um, home prices increased nationwide by about 5.6% in September year over year. Um, so continuing a nice solid um, sustainable, I think, is, is the most important thing. Sustainable appreciation of homes across the nation 
5.6% was the core logic number. Um, we saw housing starts. So these are, are, you know, new homes about to be built. Um, they fell unexpectedly in October by about 3%. Um, single family starts actually rose, but multifamily fell. So that's actually good. Even though, even though the headline number there is, was down 3%, to see the single family building um, up, that's what's important. Because for so long, we have seen the multifamily really driving those starts. And what we need to see are some more single family homes too. Um, that's, that's where there really seems to be a, the supply shortage right now. Yeah, building permits were up, rose by 8.4%. That was the highest level since 2013. So that's a, a sign of future construction, which uh, which will hopefully add some of those single-family residents to the pool there. Yeah, and existing home sales. Existing home sales were up uh, percent and a half for October, um, second straight straight month of, of increase. Best number uh, that we've seen in 2014 as well for that. Yeah, so that that's good. Existing home sales, those are not new homes. Those are homes that have already been constructed, previously occupied homes. Um, so those, those numbers are going up. In general, um, business is picking up. I think industry-wide, from what I'm understanding, I know within our company, we're definitely seeing business this year started out so sluggish mm-hmm. um, thanks to our last winter's polar vortex in mm-hmm. the northeast um, sounds like there might be another one going yeah on. buffalo's <laughs> feeling it right now <laughs> yeah, holy right? cow um, so it started out so slow which the winter's typically a slow time in our business but it really just has been on a steady upward trend all year long and normally we see the bulge in the middle of the year and then it starts to wane towards this time of year holiday times is when people stop wanting to show their home and and stop wanting to deal with major financial transactions. They've got family and holidays to think about, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not looking like that's going to be what happens. It it looks like our busiest time this year is going to be November and December. Um, So I guess it's good for those of us who are in the real estate biz and yeah, like you said, everything is so we've got such a little microclimate here. Um, and, you know, like we, we talked about location, 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 we've uh, things are good here for sure. I mean, I talking to realtors and just kind of getting a feel for um, what's happening in our community. Uh, there's a there's a lot of optimism right now, which is great, which is really good. It's good to see. We've got um, jobless claims continue to be a great number. Uh, only two hundred ninety one thousand um new jobless claims submitted this past week. So we've, we're consistently below that 300,000 mark. Um, I, I was passed a really interesting article, a timely article from one of our loan officers um, recently, and it was about maybe now is the right time to ask for a raise <laughs> at your job. And it's, it was something that we've been discussing here is that as we get back to close to a normal, I hesitate to say full employment, a normal unemployment right. uh, number, which is you know closer to five percent, we're at nationally what five point eight, five point six, something mm-hmm. like that. Correct. Yeah. Um, as we get closer to that normalcy in in the jobs market, we're going to start to see those quality of jobs improve. Um, you know, it's it's believed that a certain population of our country is just not employable, so that's why there's always some unemployment that occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as as we get back to full employment, um, 
we start to see that employers will compete for the the better qualified employees, which is something that we haven't seen for so long. There's wage stagnation is a huge issue right now for for our economy, um, especially that you know wages really haven't risen on a cost adjusted basis since 2000 or something like that. It's it's been way too long um, with wages not moving higher that now we might actually be poised for that and this article was speaking exactly to that that you know we're we're getting there we're getting to this point of full employment we're getting to the point where you as an employable um, you know dedicated person to your job your craft that you're going to look very attractive to employers and they might be willing to pay more to retain you yeah there's a lot of good uh, good numbers for our economy a lot of uh, a lot of positive things happening the the core cpi uh, came in at 0.2% versus the 0.1% expected. Um, that uh, typically has a, a high impact on interest rates. Um, so, it, again, just, just real positive numbers that we're seeing across the board, it seems like right now. Speaking of price indexes with, you know, buying things, I, I saw an article that this year's Thanksgiving dinner is going to cost 37 cents more than last year. I can handle that. It's not bad, right? No, yeah. it's not too bad at all. I think last year the the average price for a Thanksgiving dinner was forty nine point forty nine dollars and four cents or something like that, and it went up to forty nine forty one. Sounds like low inflation, right? And Which is good. If that's not a great basket of goods to survey, I mean, right. I don't know what is. And in the overall scheme of it, too, if you look at it, going to Thanksgiving dinner. It's cheaper. it's cheaper this year. Yeah, that's so you're what actually I'm... saving a dollar a gallon on gas about. Oh, yeah. There you go. For a while there, filling up my truck was tracking the price of a barrel of oil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I, I filled up this week and the pump stopped at like $63. And I thought, surely it's broken. What's, What's wrong with the pump? <laughs> Where's the rest of my gas? I'd like a full tank, please. Yeah. But no, it was full. I was shocked. Uh, we're you weren't here. using your debit card where it cuts off at seventy-five dollars. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're hearing um, that inflation numbers are always good when we're looking at uh, long-term interest rates because as inflation goes up, we expect that interest rates will also go up. So when we hear things um, about inflation going up, you know, in our industry, we we start to worry about rates going up. But there's also we're, we're also hearing some things from. From other people, other economists, San Francisco Fed economist Fasco Curdia. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but uh, he he said this week. See if you can decipher and unwind this one. The probability of low inflation by the end of 2016 is twice as high as the probability of high inflation. The opposite of historical projections. Can you un can you unwind that one? So he's saying it's just it's more likely that we're going to have low inflation. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> In an economist type of way. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for uh, roundabout uh, way of saying that it's going to be lower. Which which is solid evidence that that the rate environment we're in today is likely to continue for the foreseeable future, and that's consistent with the message that we've received from the Fed um, policy statements yep. each month. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that the Fed are making statements like that. And it does give us some insight uh, as far as when interest rates may. Um, I mean, obviously, they have to go up at some point. But uh, it, again, it doesn't seem like it's in the immediate future. I know a lot of people were concerned about that when our quantitative easing um, ended. Um, but it, it again, it seems like rates are, are holding a, a fairly low range or a very low range, actually. Um, and that's, again, great, great for affordability and people that are in the market for buying a home. 
Bad for savers. Bad for savers. Yeah. Bad for savers. You're not earning a lot on your money. No. Um, but great if you have debt. If you're a spender, you've got opportunities to get nice low um, cost of borrowing. But yeah, I mean, inflation is probably the number one thing that's on the Fed's mind right now. I think jobs have moved down the priority list a little bit now that we've we've reached below that six percent unemployment number. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think everything that I keep hearing is about inflation and, and hitting that two percent target, and we're just we're simply not doing it. Right, we're not hitting two percent, which is the 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 goal of the Fed. Maintaining some small amount of inflation just creates a little incentive to the American consumer to keep dollars flowing through the economy um, because over time your dollar gets devalued just a little bit. You don't want too much inflation. Um, you don't want too little because then, you know, if there's too little inflation, um, people just want to sit on their dollar because it'll mm-hmm. be worth the same tomorrow that it is today. Mm-hmm. We want to see just a little bit, just enough to keep the money flowing, keep the economy churning. Um, it, it, our whole capitalist society is really based on a little bit of inflation. It's good to have a little bit. Yeah. Everything in, everything in moderation, right? Sure. Here's some interesting, uh, another interesting number you're talking about Thanksgiving. I always find it interesting when we, uh, when I see stats about children and raising children, the cost of children. I want to share this with you because <laughs> you've got a couple small ones. Um, so a child born in 2014 will begin kindergarten in 2019, would attend college between the years of 2032 and 2036. Man, I feel old already. <laughs> <laughs> so if that child attended an average private four-year college, um, with the annual price increase for private colleges experienced over the last 30 years, which is about five and a half percent, um, you're looking at a total aggregate four year cost, including tuition fees, room and board of about 485,000, which is about 121,000 a year. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. not talking state schools, huh? That's a private school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did go on to say that if well, that, that college got ruled out. If that yeah. <laughs> if that college was an average public in state four year college, that four hundred and eighty five drops down to two hundred and twenty thousand, which is about fifty five thousand a year. That's getting kind of borderline now too. Yeah, it? Sounds like we're doing You were looking you were hoping for a, a chunk maybe a little bit smaller, something sounds you could like, break off and sounds shoot. Sounds like our plan will be uh, a couple years at uh, at junior college, living at home. There you <laughs> and, go. Uh, and then you can go out. Yeah. That's okay. Wow. That's okay. Wow. It'll be interesting to see how that changes because of uh, everything they're talking about with the the student loans and, yeah, and that's the such defaults a big with that issue. because that's uh, I saw a couple documentaries that were pretty interesting about how they were really targeting people that maybe shouldn't be acquiring all of that debt and convincing them that, you know, getting this, uh, this, obviously I I love education. I mean, I I went to college, I'm going to have my kids go to school. I mean, I think it's important for sure, but it's not for everybody. And just to assume that, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do and give people, you know, 50, a hundred thousand dollars in debt that never even end up finishing school and now owe this money. It's uh, it's interesting to see how that that will change over time. So I bet some of these numbers may uh, may change because of that, but it's just an interesting number to look at. There was a, a survey on CNBC this week where they were discussing the importance of getting a college degree. Mm-hmm. And 
they have you know now everything on tv now you can like tweet in your vote there's a vote for everything or whatever <laughs> so anyways they did this survey are you not the, tweeting Dan? <laughs> you just, i actually i have a twitter just so i can follow some sports things okay no okay. i'm not an active tweeter um but they were doing a survey as they were discussing this issue of I mean, the greater issue they were talking about was student loan debt, but they were trying to justify, you know, how important is that college degree? Is it is it worthwhile to accumulate all that debt while you're getting this degree? And is it going to pay off for you long term? And the callers or I'm sorry, the, the people who were voting online. Two to one said that college wasn't that important. Hmm. Which I was kind of shocked to see that, considering this is a financial show. Right. You know, I mean, I, I don't think the, I, I don't know. I just, I figured that the results would be different. Um, I think the, I, I think how we view education um, probably needs to be modified a little bit. I mean, when we say education, we automatically think and assume a four-year college or university. And oftentimes you can get that training at a technical school. You can get the training and education you need for your career without, you know, getting into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So um, yeah, I think that's important to understand as well. Yeah. And we talked about this, I, I think a number of, a couple of years ago, actually about the trades, you know, so much of what kids are, are taught growing up is about getting, going to the four year university and getting into like management type of jobs and things like that. There's not a lot of talk, or at least when I was growing up about, you know, getting into the trades mm -hmm. and those are, are great careers. What's great about them is like, you know, I, I don't know, random things, but auto auto repair or plumbing or you know these different trades they're not things that can be outsourced to another country right. they're things that have to be done by people here mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and they always have to be done it's not like a recession comes along and you know the plumbing goes bad you just deal with it no you got to fix the plumbing you got to fix the car so there's you know trades are great jobs and, and folks can make good money mm -hmm. doing a good job in, mm -hmm. in the trades so I think it's important to remember that college isn't the one and only way to succeed. Um, I, I think it's a well. I have a good a good place to go from here. We do need to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll just pick up the conversation. There'll be more mortgage matters when we come back. Mortgage matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. 
Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's about 9.45. We were, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about student loan debt and the cost of college when my kids become college age and how frightening that sounds. Um, Start saving now. Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't know if I can save that much. Half a million bucks for college seems kind of steep. Um, interestingly enough, National Association of Realtors came out with a survey it's a profile of buyers and sellers. And uh, the survey really honed in on the first-time home buyer issue, which is something that has been a, a hot topic in our industry, the millennials, um, and why they're not participating in the real estate market as, as, as much as, as first-time home buyers from previous generations. The, the share of first-time home buyers in this survey dropped to 33%. Wow. Only a, only a third of buyers are first-time home buyers. It's the lowest that number has been since 1987. That's interesting. That's definitely interesting. I, I think, uh, well, the, the crazy ride that we've seen the last few years has probably scared a few people off. I think back to standing in line at the fair with my boy getting ready to get on a ride and uh, a couple people coming off not looking so good, maybe a couple kids crying, my boy looking up at me saying, you know what, let's uh, let's go get a corn dog or something, you know? <laughs> I think that's exactly, that, that's, a, that's a very valid reason for why, why first-time homebuyers are, are staying out of the market. They've or, seen- Or chocolate-covered bacon, whatever you're into. <laughs> Deep-fried <laughs> Twinkie or something. Yeah. Corn dog would be good though, too. They have they these these younger this younger generation has seen their parents and their you know people they've looked up to get burned by real estate in the last mm -hmm. few years and and so they've I, I think taken a more cautious approach when when getting into the real estate market. Another reason that I think is is very much a sign of the times is that younger people are are not they don't want to be tied down to one area and owning a home mm -hmm. to often means that you're settling down mm -hmm. you know that's you're settling down in this area you're you're now tied down and and they want to have that that mobility you know they're they're growing up in a generation where they can 
what are the telecommute or cyber commute to work, um, yeah. you know, working from home for some, some other, you know, company based in some completely different location. Um, you know, the, they may, they're dating online and may find that their, their perfect match is three States away. And, you know, they don't, they want to have that mobility. Um, so that those are reasons this particular survey was, uh, you know, some of those things are, are harder to to measure. They were focusing on on things that were more a little more measurable. Uh, reasons that they were coming up with for the decline in the first time home buyer rate were increased rent, hmm. um, student loan debt, limited job prospects, and flat wage growth. Hmm. So you know, most of those things, the limited, I, I think it all really comes back to affordability. Mm-hmm. You know, if. The, their rent is, I mean, I think increased rent would be a catalyst for getting into a home purchase. I was going to say that almost seems a little counterintuitive. Yeah, that it? one to me does seem like it should be a catalyst. If your rent's going up, buying a home is going to start to look more attractive. And we've seen these numbers for the last several years that y- you can own a home, even in higher priced areas like mm-hmm. coastal California, you can own a home. Uh, for the same price as it costs to rent. You know, there's other metrics you want to look at, like the tax benefits and things like that of owning. But, you know, it's it's definitely possible um, to do that. We just started talking about student loan debt, which is why this kind of jumped you know, really out jumped out. Yeah. And I think that is probably one of the biggest issues. These these This young generation is coming out of college with a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. And it's a big issue. And that's something that we have to factor in when qualifying someone for a mortgage, uh, maybe you want to elaborate a little bit on qualifying with student loans. You know, sometimes student loans are deferred. A lot of times they are, yeah. But when you look at a credit report, that number is still on there, which is uh, can be a little bit scary for sure. But I think anytime we have that type of uncertainty, people tend to be like that deer in the headlights where they they really the move is no move at all because of that uncertainty i mean if you don't know exactly what type of job you're going to be getting when you get out of college or finish school you don't know where that job is going to take you and you want to be you know a little bit nimble or like you said to be able to take an opportunity um and then you've like you said then we just mentioned as well as the the real estate market hasn't really been great as far as appreciation looking at like a 10-year 12-year window um, it's easy to buy a house when everyone's making twenty, thirty thousand a month on appreciation. Then it's then it's a no brainer. Yeah, let's buy it. And if we have to move in a year, then we'll just sell and cash in our chips and move somewhere else. Well, that's not necessarily the scenario right now. It's more of a maybe more moderate uh, projections as far as appreciation, which means you know if you're going to buy this house, the the real true value and investment is probably keeping it long term. Yeah, it is a long term, long term bet. Um, We've got a caller waiting online. We've got Mary in Arroyo Grande joining us. Welcome to the show, Mary. Morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. Doing great. Thanks, Mary. A couple of uh, things I was going to point out. Um, triggers that for young people in particular to purchase a home, for instance, would be a marriage or baby. Sure. Uh, and I'm wondering if somebody knows what the average age of the young, the young folks are getting married now. Oh man, we were just talking about that. I want to. Uh, I don't. No, I, I want to say it's it's gone up. In fact, the trend there's a there's more and more couples that aren't getting married. Right. So it's hard to know when a household is forming anymore. Right. And having babies. Right. Yeah. So. Exactly. 
and so both of those things, marriage is being postponed to later if not done away with, and babies are being postponed. So there's two more items that, of course, are affecting home purchase. The other thing, of course, is folks have to, when they graduate from college, um, they have to get out and establish themselves in the workplace. And there was a number of years there with, because those folks couldn't, they don't have any, they don't have the income background or the savings to contribute to them purchasing. Mm-hmm. They don't, they can't turn to their parents that pretty much lost their shirt because that's they're a, in rebuild, they're in rebuild mode. Yeah, that's a great point. I've had several, several folks that have come in over the last couple of years that, and again, we'll, we'll sort of get into this when, uh, when Chuck gets on uh, the air the next hour, but talking about the home buying process and how the, the process actually is about a two year process for a lot of people and meeting with people a couple of years ago saying, yeah, you know, my folks are going to help me out and they've got some funds that they're going to contribute. And now talking to them, you know, maybe a year later where, you know what, that, that plan is not an option anymore because their 401ks are now 201ks because they lost so much money. So that's a, that's a great point. Um, and then getting married and having kids a little bit later in life is, uh, is also very true. I mean, that's, that's, that's a super valid point. Um, you know, when you have a baby and you get married and that's sort of the foundation of, uh, of your life and your plan, then that you, you want to set down roots and you want to stay put where now, um, you know, that first job you get out of college may not, and most likely will not be the same job you have two or three years down the road. There are a lot of people taking those entry level positions, gaining some experience and then moving on to bigger and better things. So, you know, we talked about a staying nimble and being able to move, um, is probably another reason why people aren't, you know, those first time homebuyer numbers are dropping a little bit. Right. So it's, it's, it's not just student loans. I'm kind of um, a little disappointed that I hear so many uh, discussions on this point focusing on the student loans. And the student loans, of course, one of the things people should seriously weigh when they're considering going to school, as you said, you know, you're, <laughs> you can automatically see where you'll be shipping your children to community college. <laughs> um, that's, what, that's what I did with, for myself and my mind. Um, but when you're looking at coming out and you... you your earnings uh, potential is only now so many positions start less than they did even at thirty or thirty-five thousand dollars. It's not realistic. It's it's not good financial long-term planning to come out with eighty to a hundred thousand dollars in debt for a basic degree. Right. Let alone five hundred thousand dollars if you decide to go for the private school. Well, who, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anybody, anybody who's looking at that shouldn't be. They shouldn't be signing you up for unless you've got megabucks behind you. Um, and no 18-year-old should be allowed to sign loan papers for that kind of money. It's such a tricky time of, of life as well. I mean, graduating high school, 18, you're now officially an adult, and you're, you're expected to then drop right into school and be on a path that is going to obviously cost you some money. Uh, on a path that you're supposed to know ends at some point in a certain direction. And at the end of the day, I mean, how many people do you talk to that go to school and then never end up even doing what they went to school for? So it's a it's such a tricky time of life for kids at that age to, to know and then to have the cost of that education be so expensive when there's so much uncertainty in the direction that they're ultimately going to go is, is is also tough for sure. Right. Well, America is one of the last countries that has the education system that we have. Most most countries, their their decisions, their pathways have been determined long before they're eighteen. 
some of that's been taken out of their hands. They, they showed the aptitude and the fortitude in their studies years before to be directed whether they were heading for a technical education or a university education. Mm, yeah, good point. Good point. So, well, thanks. Have a great morning. Thank you. Thanks for the phone call, Mary. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Mary. Just to kind of complete the, the thoughts on this survey, um, nearly half of first-time homebuyers surveyed indicated that the mortgage application and approval process was more difficult than they had anticipated. I can understand that to be true. <laughs> it's not easy, right? I mean, it's no. not difficult if you've got, if you're responsive and you've got your, your, your documents, you know, organized and stuff. If you're not an organized person with when it comes to paperwork, then you're going to have a harder time. I think we do a good job with our clients with respects to that. I mean, it, who's in control and quarterbacking that transaction has a lot to do with uh, the the speed and the ease of that transaction. So understanding obviously is a little plug for us but understanding you know your specific scenario and sort of prioritizing what's important and what's not and getting that information in um it can definitely be a smooth process but on our end i guess i mean from 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 underwriting perspective we try to make the process as smooth as possible and easy for our clients but on our end yeah there's a, there's a lot more paperwork there just is it's just just the nature of the beast yeah there's there's been a huge correction in the industry since the early to mid 2000s and you know perhaps the pendulum has swung too far as we like to say but it is what it is right now um, speaking to the down payment the issue of saving money to buy the home younger buyers were more likely to finance their purchase 97 percent of younger buyers were using financing to purchase a home compared to only 64 percent of home buyers 65 years and older and for the younger buyers who were able to save up for a down payment, about a quarter of those said saving for the down payment was difficult, and 57% said that student loans hindered their savings. Hmm. Um, and, you know, just this is always interesting too the way uh, shopping for real estate is changing so much. Most home buyers searched for a home using the internet. 92% of respondents in the survey use the internet to search for their home and 87% of the folks who participated used a real estate agent when buying a home. Yeah, so it sounds like people are using both, you know, they're using both tools. Yeah, we're, uh, we're about to turn over on the, uh, the hour here. Um, and we'll have uh, Chuck Stanley and Sandy Madison coming in from Century, Century 21 hometown realty to sort of speak to that talking about the internet and how that's a part of their business model, but then not losing sight of the fact that, you know, that that's a good way to get a lead. But there's still that old traditional relationship building that just has to happen if you're going to have a successful business. Um, so th they'll be able to speak to some of that as well. Yeah, there's only so much you can get online. We, right. we were talking about this the other day in the office. You know, there's there's photos online, which are great. It gives you an idea of what the, you can get the virtual home tours. But right. It's still a, a, a website designed for selling this home. And so they're taking, they're using the, the perfect angle. They're not showing you that you're right next door to a commercial building or, right. you know, something like that. So you've got to still get out there, get, get a professional involved to help you understand what's really going on. Um, hey, we are getting forced out into the top of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a couple of guests. I think you're going to find the second hour very interesting. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. tuned into Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. 
Well, howdy there. We're back. We're just getting settled in. We rearranged. I got kicked out of the main room. Um, it's probably because I didn't shower this morning. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We have a couple guests in the studio, so we had to make some additional room. We've got uh, Chuck Stanley and Sandy Madison from Century 21 Hometown Realty in Pismo Beach, California. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, very good. So let's start off with uh, a little bit of background. Who wants to go first? Tell us about uh, how you got into real estate, how long you've been in the area, uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, I'll start. Um, I've been in the area about three years, um, and I've been with Century 21 Hometown Realty for three years. Uh, Before that, I was living... uh, and, and practicing real estate up in South Lake Tahoe. One of the most amazing places on the planet. It is. It's a wonderful place. And if you ever have a chance to spend a summer there, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. He and mentioned it, summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, the winters are a little long, a little hard. Um, but, but in real estate up there, it's also uh, it's a, it's a similar market to here where you have uh, a lot of vacationers and uh, uh, second homeowners uh, looking for places to live. So the, you know, the, the, the feeling that when you go on vacation, the same as here, you're up there, you're amongst the pine trees and the lake, and you know, it's beautiful, the, the smell, the fresh air, the, 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 it's cool, it's not hot. Same as down here where people come and, and stare out at the ocean and the, the miles of white sand, and, and you, you know, then they get that feeling in real estate that, hey, this is a great place to be, I'd love to, I'd love to live here. So, um, so I've, I've worked with a lot of uh, buyers in helping them through that process. Um, and, uh, and before that, up in Tahoe, before the, the years in real estate, I was a home inspector. So I kind of carry some of that on to, uh, to help some of my buyers as well. Yeah, we talked about that being a, a pretty interesting perspective and being able to help your, your buyers and the clients that you're working with decipher some of the information that's on the, uh, the home inspection, which can... Oftentimes in a transaction, that is, uh, that's one of the inspections that we're, we're really keyed in on because that's going to tip off, um, you know, some potential problems or issues that need to be addressed prior to financing being complete. So it's, uh, it's definitely nice to have that experience and to be able to, again, decipher the information that's on those reports and, uh, and really just create those expectations for your clients so they know exactly what to, to be prepared for. Yeah, it can scare them um, because a home inspector's job is to go through the house. They have about three hours to go through the house entirely um, and pretty much write down everything that they see. And a lot of it's not a, a real big deal. And so I can help them cipher that and calm them down that, you know, no, the house isn't going to fall down. And <laughs> right. No, it's not just termites holding it up by holding hands. It's just, you know, it's, it's part of what the inspectors have to report on. Um, and, you know, and I can also let them know ahead of time, sort of by looking at the house, kind of what they're getting into age wise and, you know, what kind of work they're, they might be looking at, and, you know, and kind of get their feel ahead of time as to how much work they want to do, you know, if they're, if they're handy people or not. I've noticed that. And you've probably experienced this with, um, with having people come from out of the area here is, uh, th- there are some parts of the country where termites just aren't prevalent. And coming here, you know, where they 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 really like this type of uh, this type of climate. There's a, a I, I don't know what percentage, Dan. Do you have any idea of what type of uh, percentage we would see that when we have a, a termite inspection, how many um, actually have termites and need some some rendering there? Doesn't the inspector always find termites? It seems like it, well, right? I mean, they're always. just they're just here. They're just here. <laughs> the termite inspector does, or the home inspector does. Right. Yeah, they're they were up in Tahoe, and they're they're definitely here as well. So I've had a few houses that have had to be tinted 
during the process. But, right. Uh, and yeah. Sandy, how long have you, you've been in the area quite a while, right? I mean, a you're long a, time. I'm not going to tell you how long. You're an official, you're an official, <laughs> official local for sure. I, close. It, I don't think you can be unless you're born here, but yeah. My kids tell me there are people who live here that don't remember when there were no Madisons. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. That's as you've been here a while then. How so without giving us the exact date, <laughs> you've been in the real estate uh, industry a long time, probably I seen have. a lot of changes in the I South have. County. I was li first licensed in 1986. So there have been many ups and downs. We tend to have a roller coaster real estate market in California. We don't get as much of the steep ups and downs in this area as others do because we do have a different kind of clientele for the most part, as Chuck would um, also agree we have a lot of people that are extremely well qualified to purchase mm -hmm. beca because it isn't their first home um, it's difficult to buy that first house here because our young people don't have jobs that pay really well right so that um, makes it difficult so they have to really save a long time or have help from family members or you know there has to be something else going on besides independent wealth yeah the uh, the medium home price here is uh, is can be a difficult um it can be a little out of reach for some of the some of the teachers and some of the, the local just normal jobs that you have and it's it can. Uh, you do need some help you need some yeah. help in the in a lot of different ways in a lot and of there different are ways programs as you know better than i there are uh, there are programs to help the first time home buyer thank heaven um it's actually less expensive to have a mortgage payment than it is to pay rent Mm -hmm. uh, that's not always the case, but currently it is. But you still have to come up with that down payment, and that's that's we the see a part. we see a lot of transactions with first time home buyers that, where the parents are participating or some family members participating Correct. in that down payment. Yes, um, whether they're co signing on the loan or just gifting down payment, it seems like more than half of those first-time home buyers are getting some kind of contribution from a family member. Yeah, it's it's almost impossible in this area, not not everywhere in California, but in the in the uh, Pismo Beach area, it's it's difficult. Yeah, it's important for people to understand that as well, that uh, what, a lot of times people look at their savings account, uh, looking at their first home, and they just assume, well, I just don't have the money, I can't make this happen, where you know they might have that uncle, that family member that can help out, and there are a lot of programs that allow for those funds not to come directly from the that buyer's savings account, Correct. but from a from a family member. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's definitely good to understand that those programs are out there and it creates some opportunities for folks for sure. They really need to be calling their lender. Yeah, good yeah. idea. Good idea. Good That's idea. Five four three loan. But it's true. Yeah. But it's true. In addition to just low down payment loan programs, there's down payment assistance. You know, there's. There are some county first-time homebuyer funds, but those funds run out really quick. In fact, they I do. I had a conversation with the um, with the the head of that program with the county recently, and she said that they get allocated those funds once a year. It's always in limbo every year as to whether they're going to get funds. From my perspective, they always seem to get something. Um, yes, but it only helps a limited number of families, and yes. they have that you have to go through an education process. That education is usually only held once a year. And they get more than enough qualified applicants at that that attend that single um, educational seminar. That that's their pool of applicants. So mm -hmm. if if that's something that you want or are interested in, you have to you have to really prepare for um, you know those funds being available when they're doing their one time educational seminar, and then making sure you're there and you're you're an active participant in that. Otherwise, it'll 
those funds get get allocated very quickly. Very quickly. Usually the first quarter of the year they're gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some other programs that are more readily available, like a um, like a, a down payment assistance through Cal HFA. There's a 3% mm-hmm. um, down payment assistance. There's mortgage credit certificates, which is a direct tax um tax credit for you for being a, a home buyer meeting certain income restrictions. So there's some things out there, but, but like, like you said, Sandy, it's really important to meet with your lender first. In fact, that's really step one. I mean, can you, can you make an offer on a home anymore without being pre-qualified? It's, no, it's, it's not, just doesn't not, happen. Not anymore. if you're using somebody from Century 21. <laughs> okay. No, because yeah. they'll, they'll, that's the first thing they'll ask is where's the pre-qual yeah. letter? Well, yeah, it's, it's good to it's hear. It's very important. I mean, it, every now and then we'll run into someone where they have an accepted offer and they're just starting the pre-qualification process. And I'm I'm kind of mystified at how they got as far as they did um, getting an offer accepted and without meeting with the lender yet. Yeah, I I don't know anyone would that would do that, to be honest. And it, um, it's just backwards. Yeah, it's a good way for it to fall through. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, and it, it, uh, I don't, I feel, especially talking to a lot of realtors that, uh, it's, you can really prioritize your time and who's serious by the folks that have spent the time to do the pre-qualification and have spent the time to know exactly sort of the direction that they're going. I'm sure you get a lot of people that come to you and just say, Hey, I want to buy a house. Well, if they, if you don't really want to spend all of the time and energy that it takes nowadays to, to prepare and show homes when at the end of the day, you know, they, they may not even be qualified. So it's just like you said, it's step one. And I think it makes sense. It, it makes sense for that to be the first step in the process. Right. Everyone feels better about the process when they, they know, you know, you can tell them, well, you can spend between two and 500 mm-hmm. and then figure out what the comfort zone is. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't do that first, you really don't have any clue as to where to look or what you can spend. So Sandy, we we sort of cut you off and got on a on a, a different direction. We're talking about you being here, but uh, <laughs> I know you're. I know you probably aren't going to say this because you're pretty modest from uh, from from getting to know you. But uh, you were Realtor of the Year, past president of the Pismo Coast Association of Realtors. I was a couple times. A couple times, uh, past president of the AG Chamber of Commerce. All so, of the above. A lot of experience there, which uh, which is great. I think it's. Uh, I think it's so important for people, like you said, to, to really understand the market big picture wise. And I know just from sheer experience, a lot of the younger agents just don't have that 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 sampling of uh, of an extended period of time of really understanding sort of the swings of the market and you being able to guide them, you know, with that experience, I think is, is super important, super important. It is important, and I think, uh, as I shared with you earlier, I was mentored by a very successful real estate agent when I got into the market initially. I don't know that I would have stayed in the business. It's a very difficult business if you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, That's for sure. And (laughs) And that's why I use her as my mentor now. (laughs) No, he doesn't. Very good. Well, so we, it, it helps to have somebody that has the knowledge and the experience and they can say, it's okay, this happens all the time. Yeah, I think that sort of speaks to working as a team. And uh, that's one thing that I really enjoy about about our office is we'll have a scenario come up and between everybody in the office, I mean, we have so many years of experience and being able to just throw it on the table and say, hey, this is what I've got. 
uh, let's everyone take a quick look at it and what's the the best direction here. Mm-hmm. Um, that has just it's just priceless to be able to have that experience all in one spot where you can work together as a team and get things done. That's great. It's that's true. great. I agree totally. So you guys. Um, you guys are tied in with Kristen Crabtree, who's one of my favorite realtors. She's she's, a, she's everybody's favorite yeah, if you've worked with her. Yeah, she's quite the little spitfire for sure. <laughs> um, so so you guys are going to be working with her a little bit more closely in the future, um, which I'm I'm excited about because. Well, I, I don't know if it's closely with her. She's taking a sabbatical, and we're going to. A well-deserved sabbatical. A very well-deserved. And we're going to watch over her business while she's gone. So we're going to be distantly working with her. That's good. That's good. Well, I know that her business is in good hands, which is great, which is great. I wanted to get into a little bit um, similar to what we were talking about before we headed into the last break about getting leads from the Internet, how that is sort of changing the face of our industry and how realtors are managing those leads and then really ultimately converting, you know, what is a lead to a relationship to trust and confidence building and then ultimately into helping people buy homes. So I'd like to get into that a little bit. Um, Dan, what was the number that you had said as far as internet leads and numbers? Did you have a number there? I had uh, eight out of 10 now. Um, start, ten, yeah, that's s- about right. mm-hmm. start their initial search online. This, this particular statistic said that home buyers searched for homes on the internet 92% of the time. They start their search there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm what, what Jason's asking. I mean, how, how has the internet changed your business over the years? And, and I guess one step further, how should the consumer be using the internet to search for homes? Well, working primarily with buyers, um, that that's they're almost it seems exclusively that they're using the internet one way or the other, whether they're looking at Craigslist or Realtor.com or Zillow or Trulia, and you know all those are all way up on the search engine ranks whenever you put anything in Google. Um, so they're, that's really where they start, and then um, and then you know if you're lucky enough to engage them and get them to your website or get a phone call out of them, uh, uh, then you know the process is is lengthy. Um, sometimes it's a little shorter if they're further along, but you know statistics show that it's like it's an over a two-year period of time uh, that you have to stay in touch and educate them and work with with a, a particular buyer uh, before they're ready to buy. They, Is that specific to internet lead buyers or to any buyer? I would say it's it's any buyer um, and internet, you know, mainly too because they're you know you don't really have a relationship once they you know, you get a hold of them on the internet or they get a hold of you. Um, so it's, it's, it takes the time and the effort and the marketing to, to, to engage them and, and, and get them as a client and get to know them. Um, there's, there's, uh, the phase, the first phase is just sort of kicking the tires and, and, you know, seeing what's out there, you know, once they come to a, a great area like this and, you know, say, Hey, I, I just, I, I want to have a home here. I want to live here. Um, you know, that's, that's, a like a 16-month process that they're sort of going through that, looking at stuff, their initial research part. And then it, it, it slowly goes into phase two, which is about a six-month process where they're starting to figure out, you know, what they want, where, when, how much, you know, where they want to be. And then, you know, the last part, which is about four months, um, you know, is when you start writing the offers and, and uh, you know, working with them through escrow and, and all that kind of stuff. So during that period of time, you know, you could lose them uh, at any time because they're they're on the internet. They're hiding behind the internet. Um, 
So once you get them, uh, hopefully the first thing you get to, to do, get them to do is sign up for new listing alerts on your website so they're receiving properties um, in their criteria that they've registered for. And then you really have to, you know, market to them, send them and educate them, send them information. Um, if I get someone that just comes in off the street um, or just calls and um, just wants to go out looking and they have no idea what they want, they don't know what price range, they haven't talked to a lender, you know, they like the area, but they don't know where they want to be, then I'll, I'll try to get them to come and sit down first. Uh, because, you know, at, at nearly $4 a gallon of gas, you don't want to just go out there and drive everybody around up to Cambrian and all over the place. Um, and so that helps. Do you find that buyers are continuing to browse listings on the internet once you've engaged them? Or do you, do you as the realtor, tend to take over that well, you try to engage them and get them to not go anywhere. And that's why if you have a website, which is all encompassing and allows them to, to search for anything that they want to in the areas that they want to and look for school districts and, you know, crime reports and you have all that information right there, then that, that hopefully will keep them from going somewhere else and, and going on some of the, the, the major websites and stuff. But, yeah, if you don't engage them and stay, you know, if you, you, know, if you see that they've been clicking on the properties, um, and they're looking at stuff, uh, then, you know, you give them a call, uh, stay in touch with them, continue to send them out marketing stuff, some emails once or twice a week, and, and, and hope that, that, you know, when it's time for them to buy, that they're, they're going to remember you. It needs to become a collaborative effort. Well, uh, we've discussed this topic a number of times on our show that, you know, the Internet is a great place to get information, but it's not always the most current information. We find that Zillow... Um, doesn't always have the, you know, the, the, the link to public record on what the, the current square footage and bed bath count isn't always up to date. There's, there's some, I don't know, data issues there where, where it just doesn't carry over well, accurately also, all the time. properties are pending. They're not always, yeah, right. in fact, doesn't show that. Right. We, we had a live unscripted event happen on this show where we were discussing this internet you know Zillow, the Zillow listings, and how easy it is to search online. And I, I myself, got duped into thinking there was a fantastic deal in Morro Bay for a property that was just—I mean, this is going to be my retirement plan here. And <laughs> our, our guest, who was another realtor at the time, said that property sold three months ago. Yeah, we were looking that yeah. up online. And, yeah. Uh, yeah so that really happened i'm i'm in this business and i got fooled exactly. by what i found on zillow it's just it's not always most accurate information it's great to start to formulate opinions of value and and ideas of what's available and things like that but when you really want to get serious and specific about what's out there and available that's when i think really engaging with your realtor is important because they're yes. going to give you the the, the true up-to-date information well, that, doesn't, that uh, is true doesn't the realtor also the realtor knows the neighborhood. They're supposed to, right? So Zillow is like this big thing that's out in space somewhere. Correct. And they kind of take like a they, they generalization look at numbers. of the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, there's the, only so much you can get from, from internet algorithms and, and things like that. You need Well, the, and sometimes you wonder where they got the information. I Googled my own house yesterday because I thought, I'm just going to see what comes up. And I live in a small house. And it said that I the address was a five-bedroom three bath, 3,500 square foot home. 
Did you put it on the market? And I thought, <laughs> yeah, you should have listed that. <laughs> right away. Sold it. <laughs> where, are, where are those other two bedrooms? You know? <laughs> yeah, and, so, the, and the zest of it is not very accurate. That I, yeah, yeah, yeah. people want to hold you to it. And, but it does give you information. And and if you're starting, I find that sellers also go on the internet when they start thinking about selling their home. Let's find out what our house is worth. And so they'll kind of search around for the neighborhood and, and try to figure it out. And it does give them a little bit of an idea. It sort of changes a lot of how you do business, just just even just hearing that, because now you have someone coming to you that's interested in listing, and they may have, which is often the case, an unrealistic expectation Absolutely. of what their home is going to sell for. Absolutely. And that is the real reason that they need a professional um, because we have access to the true scoop. The true information. And it's yeah. our job to advise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And th- at the end of the day, I mean, you can only get so much from the Internet. You can't, you don't understand what or that... Or so much from your five-bedroom five home. Yeah, <laughs> or or so much. I mean, you have to, there, there's something about the smell of a house or what the view really looks like from the driveway or how big that closet is that, Absolutely. like Dan was saying, it's like online dating, you know? it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the pictures look great, but you, you never know <laughs> what exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That ocean view is only available from the roof. Yeah. 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 And, the, and there's no ladder. Yeah. Well, and I, I live down the street from a hoarder that had all this stuff out in the front yard. Exactly. And finally, finally, so, somebody came in and actually bought the house and cleaned the whole thing up and rebuilt the house, basically. So now the property values may have gone up, mm-hmm. but would Zillow say, say, well, you know what? There's a hoarder down the street, and the property values are down. Possibly, yeah. it's yeah. Because it's only like a, a like two years ago that this happened. Yeah, and Zillow may still have the picture mm-hmm. of that hoarding home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you can never put an offer in unseen. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. We see a lot of that in our industry as well. The people that search the internet and then come to us and say, "Well, I saw this rate online." Exactly. Well, that's, yeah. Exactly. There's, there's just so many variables about you know as far as your credit score and how much you're putting down and your your credit history and and the income that you make and there's just so much how involved. How many points you're paying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> there's there's so much involved that it really just makes sense to maybe get the thirty thousand foot view from the internet, which a lot of people do. But then when we're we're actually looking at your specific scenario as far as financing or this specific property that you're interested in, like you like you said, Dan, it might not even be on the market anymore. Or here's the true hoarder that lives next door yeah. that's spilling over into your backyard. I mean, that definitely changes things for sure. It for does. Sure. It does. We need to take a quick break, um, and uh, we'll just we'll regroup in here in the studio. We'll come back with. An exciting conclusion, an exciting half hour to finish off the show. It's 1027. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term or get out of your mortgage insurance call central coast lending today when you buy or refinance a home just call 543 loan just call 543 loan we're the mortgage experts on the central coast central coast lending 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, it's 10.30 on Mortgage Matters. We hope you're enjoying the show. We're sure enjoying our time with Chuck and Sandy from Century 21 Hometown Realty. You guys are based in Pismo Beach, is that right? Or? Correct, yes. And there's, there's what, 11 Century 21 Hometown offices? At least. Yeah, there's quite <laughs> like a few. 20, I thought, yeah. I, is that 11? That was even more than that, I don't maybe. know why. I, I, I don't know. They, we're, we cover the whole county, part of Santa Barbara County. In the valley. In the valley. Uh, Amy Gallagher is our broker of record, and she is awesome. Um, she is wonderful. Probably the smartest realtor in the world. Um, so she has, she's in fact responsible for everything we do. Have you both been with Century 21 for a long time? or? I've been about five years. I've, I've, the three years that I've been down here, I've been with Century 21, and I was with Century 21 Tahoe Paradise when okay. I was up in, in South Lake. Um, I guess I'm curious, how does Century 21 compare to any other um, brokers that you've worked for before? Um, I've not worked for a lot of different brokers, but the big difference is the amount of training they give, give to their agents. It's awesome, yeah. Um, at least once a week you can get training on the on some aspect of the business. Um, and that's vitally important, especially now when everybody comes to us thinking they are well-informed, and in fact, they probably aren't. They're better informed than they were in the past, but they don't know. It's a very complex, complicated, they think the loan process is complicated, and it is. Purchasing real estate, um, Chuck works with a lot of buyers, and it's very involved. Well, and change, the pace of change seems unprecedented in the last 
five to ten years. Yes. So it, keeping up with the education so so vitally important. It is. It yeah, is. And, they, and, and Amy does a great job. She mm -hmm. does do those webinars once a week, and you know, with the changes in the in the in the contract and the, all the the purchase agreement uh, information, she she makes sure that we you know are aware of what's going on. And so and this isn't industry required training. This is just something that. That's correct. That your office does. That's correct. Yes. That's great. Yeah. When, when it's time for us to renew our license, we have to do some continuing education, but um, not on an ongoing basis and not, not to the extent that they do it at the Century 21 hometown. I don't know if all Century 20, 21 well, offices are... I didn't get anywhere near this kind of training up in, in yeah. Lake Tahoe. I've never I been think. with any franchise here in, in, on the Central Coast that had the training that they do. If you're a new agent, I don't know why you'd go anyplace else, to be honest. That's really great that there's that proact proactivity mm -hmm. to training in within your office. I know in our in the mortgage industry, we've gone from, you know, having the regular Department of Real Estate license that's renewed every four four years and doing the the training at those required times. Now being governed by the the NMLS, a mortgage loan officer has to go through education every year. And with new compliance laws in mortgage, we have to do ongoing training throughout the year. So to hear that on the real estate side, it's not required yet, but your office is already doing something like yeah. that. I can only imagine that if it's if it's in place for the mortgage loan officer, it's probably coming for real estate. Probably so. I, I don't know how you guys do it, to be honest, because it seems like the regulations and the rules are kind of like drifting sand and you have to you <laughs> they know, really are you have to keep current on all of that and what's frustrating when we get clients come in they don't understand how the landscape is shifting so rapidly um and you know they they come in and expect that we have every answer immediately and we just know everything realtors think you do too and oftentimes <laughs> you know that's it's a moving target constantly so we have to we i mean most of the answers we know but there's you know 10 percent of the things that we just are always in flux, and yeah. we have to look them up and make sure that we're confident in the answers we're giving. Yeah, things are always changing. It's an ever-changing environment. That's almost one of the more difficult people to deal with is the ones that come in and think that they know exactly what's going on. And well, at the end of the day, years ago when we bought our house, this is how it did happen. Well, yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Exactly. And what's scary is oftentimes it's 15 days ago I was online <laughs> and I, I saw true. this guideline that says this. I was like, well, here's the update. And that's not the case anymore. Yeah. So that that's almost managing that expectation yeah. is, is, is so critical and doing it in a way that, that doesn't offend that particular person who, who Who's knows? Done their homework. I'm doing the air quotes with knows. It's uh, yeah. that's a big part of our job is is yeah. educating them and letting them know, hey, this this is the change. And usually we can explain why there's a change. I mean, I, especially when it comes to the financing side of things, we've Dan said this the previous hour about the pendulum swinging. And at the end of the day, the, the pendulum needed to swing. Um, yes. the, there there had to be some changes. And I I read something this uh, this week that said that we're at the I think a seven-year low um, with foreclosures. Um, so those are those are starting to fall off, and I think a lot of that is a testament to the fact that you know the the guidelines have changed and shifted, and now the the buyers that were that are actually buying homes now are a little bit more qualified, um, and probably appropriately so anyway, as far as the guidelines go. Yeah, I think that's true. I agree. Yeah, this is from an investment standpoint. This is one of the 
probably probably will prove to be one of the best performing vintages of loans that has ever been produced. Um, with all of the double and triple triple checking of income and you know fraud, various databases that that we use in the mortgage underwriting mm-hmm. process to determine that you are who you say you are. You yes. you make what you say you make. You know, there's all these re-verifications of yes. these things to make sure that that the loans being produced today um, have a strong likelihood of repayment. And that's important for the whole industry, as we've seen. Absolutely. Um, you know, you start to loosen up those guidelines, and it can have systemic effects to, to real estate and, and beyond. And it did. Yeah, it was like the wild, wild west out there it yeah. was for a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the training that you're getting, how much of it is specific to the technical part of your job as far as, like, the contracts and going over and making sure this is signed and that's signed versus – the actual, hey, we're dealing with a completely new business model that we didn't necessarily have 15 years ago with the internet and with how we're handling our clients. How 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 is that education that I, you're getting sort of broken up that way? I would say it's about 50-50. Once a week, as Chuck said, Amy has a webinar that that deals specifically with the contractual sure, right. side, right. with our forms and you know the correct way to, to phrase things so that... Right. So that our consumer is protected, um, and about once a week, there's um, training that is more sales oriented. More, how do you stay in touch with your clients, and what kinds of things can you um, do to increase your productivity? That kind of thing. Right. So it's about a fifty-fifty. It's a different environment now than it used to be. Of Very just much so. knocking on doors and yeah. and building relationship that way, but. Yeah. It's still a key and I think the most important piece, and I know Chuck sort of alluded to this um, when we met yesterday, is he, you know, he said, you know, that still at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we take care of the client. We understand Absolutely. what their needs are. And if they came to us from, you know, the, the, the person next door that knows what we do or an internet lead, at the end of the day, you have to build that relationship and constantly having education on the best way to do that is, I think it's... I think it's critical. I think it's important. Yeah, it's a referral-based business for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that there's about 20 minutes left in the show, and you can um, ask a question or share a comment if you like by calling 543-8830. We've got Dan waiting on the line from San Luis Obispo. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Dan. Thanks for calling in. No problem. I got a, just a question, and I don't know, I'm not sure who's the best to answer it, but... I'm looking to buy a property in town that's um, conforming. It should, should, from what I understand, has an old house on it. Um, but I have some other, other things that I own in business that where I have debt that's not um, that's private. How does that work in qualifying? Because income and whatnot, I believe I'd be close. But I'm looking at some of these private loans I have, things like that. Is that all going to play a, a factor? These are private business loans? Um, I have some other properties that I own. Well, I, I mean, they're in my name, and I bought them with cash, with, uh, and I have a private note to, someone, to another person to help me do that. So I guess I'd say it's not a, it's not a recorded loan in a way um, that is going to show up on a credit run. 
That's so, a tricky question. There's yeah. some there's some legal there's some <laughs> yeah. legal implications to our answer that we'll you'll have to read between the lines on for sure. So yeah, if it's not a recorded note, it's not going to show up on a prelim or any kind of uh, you know the searches that are done to to see if you have other outstanding debt. It's it's a debt that you're aware of and and it's you know you're going to be the one obligated to disclose those types of liens that can't be discovered any other way when, when completing a loan application. Um, so I just basically, I disclose what I disclose because, you know, like I said, they're not going to show up any other way. But I'm fine to disclose them, but I guess that's why I'm anonymously, anonymously calling a radio show. I can get all the <laughs> Is your name really Dan, Dan? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> The other thing is, so most of that debt is attached to property that has equity. Um, it's it's land to be developed, but it doesn't necessarily appraise properly. I mean, how, would it be worth trying to appraise that and put actually record it in a way where I show equity there, or just try to leave it off? You know, the the equity position doesn't really matter so much for qualifying. It sounds like your issue is a debt to income ratio qualification. That sounds to me like what you're concerned with is whether or not that that additional debt that those private notes are going to prohibit you from qualifying for financing. So that the equity that you have in those properties isn't factored in. It's more about cash flow of those properties. And and so what we're going to look at when qualifying you is your um, depending on how you hold those properties, most likely if they're if they're owned by you as an individual, they're appearing on your Schedule E, um, right. which is where you know your schedule of real estate on your tax return. <laughs> we're going to look at your past two years of tax returns, your Schedule E's, and we're going to do either a twelve or twenty-four month average of the actual profit and loss of those those properties. And so that's where the the debt that's financed comes into play. If if it's something that's being disclosed on your tax return, then we're going to obviously count it. If it's not, but it's it's there and it's somehow being left off of the tax return, that's where um, you know the the one on one with you and your loan officer is gonna gonna determine how that's handled. Okay, yeah, because I'm in a situation where you know, like I said, these are development properties, so they really don't you know yield any income. They don't, so they're really there's there's a lot of value there, but I don't think it's gonna communicate properly in the meantime until they're you know, report. yeah, yeah. E- equity in in other real estate holdings really only comes into play when qualifying for a mortgage if you're financing that particular property. When you're financing another property, uh, equity is less of an issue unless and there's a an asterisk next to that if it's a recently converted rental. You know, it was your primary, and then you're converting it to a rental. Then there may be some equity requirements, but aside from that, equity in other real estate isn't usually a, a, a driving factor in qualifying definitely something de- definitely something we should sit down and and look at a little bit more detail you should give us okay. uh give us a call during the week and and talk to one of our loan officers for sure can i give you a follow-up question and i'll jump off here sure, but sure. i feel like i've been caught in between and quite a few times where i'll go into a situation looking to qualify for financing um and they're looking for collateral and i have none um, and then, and that, and then this has to do with business financing too, which might be a little bit outside. But then I go to other situations where I finally have some collateral, like I do now, and they want to see cash. And so I, I feel like there, it, I don't quite understand who's looking for what sometimes. I'll yeah. Okay. Well, th- thanks for calling in, Dan. And thanks for the questions. We appreciate it. 
Um, you know, as far I think we can really only speak to mortgage financing qualification, and as far as collateral versus cash reserve requirements, it depends on the loan program. You know, obviously there's collateral in every mortgage transaction. It's the property that's what's securing the debt, um, and so that's extremely important to our transaction. As far as reserves, other types of reserves, if if I'm understanding the the question correctly. Um, Usually, there is not a substantial reserve requirement when it's usually minimum when yeah. it's conventional or government financing. When mm-hmm. you get into jumbo lending, then you that's where you start to see more um, cash liquid reserve requirements um, being called out very specifically. Oftentimes, there's a twelve month principal a twelve month reserve requirement for principal interest taxes and insurance plus additional reserves required on second homes and investment properties that you hold. So that's typically where you run into cash reserve requirements. And, a po- and depending on the program, some of those reserves can come from retirement accounts. Some of the reserves need to be in a liquid form. Um, so it, it really depends on the loan program. But usually those requirements are specific to jumbo lending um, and not the conventional and, and government lending. Just from the, the bank's perspective, those jumbo loans or those larger loans are a little bit more risky because if one person defaults, then that entire loan goes bad. Where if you're spreading it out over you know 10 smaller loans, then if one goes bad, you still have 90% of your portfolio that's okay. So just from an underwriting perspective, anytime there's added risk, uh, there's going to be some additional requirements that uh, that make that bank feel a little bit more comfortable with lending that money. Yeah, I'd, I definitely would encourage you, Dan, to call into to the office during the week. It's 543-LOAN, 543-5626. Um, these kind of complicated situations come up all the time, and, and that's, what we, that's where we really separate ourselves from the, the rest of the lending world. We're, we're great at solving those difficult problems. Um, so... That would that would be my advice. Uh, we do need to take our final commercial break of the show. It's ten forty six, and uh, we'll be right back. We'll take more calls if if they're out there. Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll continue our conversation with Chuck and Sandy. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk nine twenty. To ask a question, call five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. 
Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. It's the home stretch here on Mortgage Matters. We're enjoying our conversation with Chuck and Sandy from Century 21 Hometown. Um, thanks again for both of you being here. I know it's a Saturday and it's a beautiful day outside and probably got other things you'd rather be doing with your time, but you're here inside with us. And staring at us. <laughs> and having a good time doing it. That's great. Hey, it's a beautiful day on the Central Coast. That's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> We sure appreciate you being here. Um, I'm curious, you know, I've, I always like to ask just some basic questions when I've, I've got my captive audience here who really know real estate. Um, you guys are, are based in South County, so I'm just kind of curious what the landscape of real estate looks like in the South County. Is, is activity picking up as the year has gone on? Are, are you working more with first-time buyers or you know, vacation home buyers. Tell me a little bit about what's going on activity-wise. Well, I think we always deal with people looking for second homes, vacation homes. Uh, I personally find myself working with more investors than usual or the, a higher percentage of investors than usual. Um, I'm not sure why that is. More so recently or, or yes. just in general? Uh, recently. Okay, wow. And yep. I don't, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's end of year. You know, we've got to do something with our money before the end of the year, that kind of thing. Hmm. But at any rate, that's that's a a different. You know, you have a little more savvy buyer usually when you're working with investors. It's certainly not their their first purchase usually. That kind of thing. Are those investors typically looking for a single family residence, or are they looking for units? A combination. Usually, it's uh, or the ones I have been working with aren't looking for units. They're looking for a single family or condo, maybe, uh, but just single rental units. Um, and I was in the MLS for briefly this morning. We're seeing more uh, price reductions in the last week or so. Not massive reductions, but people are lowering their prices a little bit. But I think that's indicative of the fact that we're in the holiday season. So uh, mm -hmm. there aren't as many people looking. Um, it's a little slower this time of year. It's a little bit slower. If a person is looking at property in November, December, part of January, they're serious buyers. So Is it a better time to get a deal? Probably in some areas of the state, but here not so much. We don't see the seasonal fluctuation that they do in, in a lot of areas because, you know, everybody wants to live here. Yeah, sure. I agree with that, yeah. Let's um, let's take a, a phone call here. We've got Kent calling from Arroyo Grande. Yeah, hello. 
Well, uh, I just wanted to call up and ask you guys about my monthly mortgage insurance and sure. how um, they added on another $300 to my mortgage, and it's just, I don't understand it. I, I don't know what, what do I get out of it. Is, <laughs> is there a program that can make it go away? Sure. Let me ask you a follow-up. Are you in an FHA or a conventional loan? Uh, it's just a conventional loan. Conventional loan. Okay. Yeah. Um, so mortgage insurance. Oftentimes, uh, a homeowner or home buyer wants to know what insurance they're being provided. And it's really, mortgage insurance isn't insurance for you, it's insurance for the lender. Right. Anytime there's less than a 20% down payment made on a conventional loan, mortgage insurance is required in one form or another. Sometimes it's a borrower paid policy where you clearly see how much it's costing you, like in your case. Other times you have what's called lender paid mortgage insurance, where You've, you've basically bought out the mortgage insurance by increasing your interest rate or paying an additional fee to buy it out. Right. Yeah, they told me that um, maybe after five years or if the house appreciated, it could be eliminated. But yeah. then when, uh, uh, when the houses around my, my house started to increase in value, I called up the company and they're like, well, that's not the policy. So it's, it's the five years. And I was just wondering... I mean that's the longest five years, and then we refinanced after two years. So now it's a, you know now it's like seven years of this insurance. It's just uh, it's a killer. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and with so the the good news with conventional financing is that you are able to challenge your mortgage insurance when you believe you have twenty two percent equity. Um, the five year okay. So each servicer is different, and oh. because this insurance is protecting them, not you. It's protecting them. They're inclined to have you keep it as long as possible because yeah. it's a protection for them, and you're the one paying the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is that there is no minimum time requirement for the insurance to remain in effect. Okay. Um, however, there's there's a rule that says that in order to get out of it, they you have to show that you've paid it on time. You have to show a clean payment history for 24 months. So it's often interpreted that it has to be in place for a minimum of 24 months. And different servicers interpret that differently. Okay, 24 um, months. That's only two years. Why they can right. be in five? So. Well, and okay, so, so that's, the, that's the key vocabulary that I need to use. I appreciate that. What else? What other key words do I need to use with them? Well, how close, how close are you to that uh, 78%? Well, I'm about uh, two years out, probably. You, two, okay, two years out from where when you believe you will have a twenty percent equity. Uh, yeah, or that five years is up. Actually, the five years is what I was going for. Let's not look how, at the. How five. long have you been in your house? Um, close to well, uh, six, seven years, something like that. Like I said, we refinanced after two years, and then it's been another three. So I guess about maybe five years I've been here. Do you feel like your equity has increased? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We bought for three sixty-five, and uh, they're assessing in my neighborhood for four twenty. Easy. And what's your loan amount? Uh, loan amount's a lot. We let's see, probably three, three twenty, three thirty. We've paid off about forty thousand. And and you think the home's worth four twenty? Yeah. I mean that. What's the loan to value on that? That's seventy six percent. So that to me sounds like you're in a position now where the key word for you is challenge. I want to challenge my mortgage insurance. Okay. And you need to contact your servicer and and tell them that you you believe that you have 
20 to 25% equity in your home and, and you'd like to challenge your mortgage insurance. And what their first step is going to be is to look at what's called an automated valuation model. They have metrics that they can look at online where it's where they it basically a Zillow-esque type of valuation where uh-huh, they, uh-huh. they say yeah, what no, your homes are. just up the street that have sold for like 440, 450. So the 420 that I feel the house is at is conservative. Yeah, so it sounds like they're just reluctant to want to grant you that. Okay. that relief. And so you need to challenge it. And so they may suggest that you go out and buy an appraisal and present it to them. All right. All right. And the, okay. the, the other key question is what interest rate do you currently have on that loan? Oh, super low. Uh, okay. Mi- okay. Maybe 2% at the most. Okay. Are you in an adjustable mortgage? No, it's just 30 year. 2%? Well, I don't have all the correct. I mean, it's <laughs> okay. right, right. Low. It's what, what's, uh, I guess know, we refinance down. And so, Maybe three. I don't know. It's really low. I don't okay. have that number in front of me. The only other option, really quickly, I know we're running out of time here, um, would be to possibly look at a, a refinance. But if uh, you refied two years ago, you probably did take advantage of those. probably have a super low rate. Rates. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you refi, though, won't they uh, re-up your mortgage insurance? Well, your your whole deal is subject to a new appraisal. So if the new appraisal comes in at the values you're talking about, you'd be under the the loan-to-value where mortgage insurance would be required. Which could eliminate that mortgage insurance immediately, which could have you saving $300 a month right now, which, yeah. which well, who knows? Per- if we refinance, what's a good percentage that I should aim for? Ken, we're, run, we're running out of time. Kent, we're running out of time right now. Will you okay. give us a call um, on Monday? Uh, okay. Just, just give us give our office a call. All right, thanks, Kent. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, um, Kent, for the call. We, we only have a couple more minutes on the show here. So, yeah, I just um, want to volley it back to our guests here sandy and and chuck thanks again for being here any final thoughts you might want to offer our listeners and contact information would be good yeah that'd be great sandy madison at century 21 hometown realty 2350905 and you can contact me chuck stanley at century 21 hometown realty at 805-710-2778 or the best way also is on my website at www.sopismo.com and if you go on there and register, I also have a 50-page buyer's guide or seller's guide that I would send you um, if you do that in the next day or so. Nice. nice. I bet that's some thrilling reading, huh? Well, it's, it, it was actually, it's, it, it is good reading. And it's, uh, it was produced, written and produced by Kristen Crabtree. So it's uh, very informative and good stuff. That's great. I bet it's great. Well, thanks again, uh, both of you, for, for taking time out of your Saturday to be here with us on thanks the show. Thanks for having us. Um, I know our listeners get a lot out of this, and uh, I'll be interested to hear any feedback from you. Um, next week about your experience here. Um, I want to remind our listeners that uh, Jason and I represent Central Coast Lending. We're a direct lender here. based. We have offices throughout the county. Um, one number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN, 543-5626. Uh, to Dan and Kent, who called in with some great loan scenarios, um, I encourage you to call in the office this week so we can dive into a little more detail and, and try to help you guys out with with your uh, various issues, again, 543-LOAN, 543-5626. I also want, you to, want to remind you to check out our website, centralcoastlending.com. We put a lot of time and effort into that website, providing you with resources. You can apply for a loan right online. It's quick and easy uh, with our secure loan application. We'll be back in two weeks with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. Have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll see you in December.